forget that there's still a reckoning for the ways that we live. And that's why I'm so grateful. That's why I, I encourage you. Listen, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. You need a Savior. You have failed infinite numbers of times. Huge ways, little ways. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to properly count the costs. In this cultural moment where people like to stay on the surface level, it's easy to gloss over the effects of the choices you make. We don't really want to grapple with the great cost of our mistakes. But as Pastor Daniel shares today, you have to face that sobering reality at some point. All the ways you've blown it, both big and small, carry the price tag of death. But that's why Jesus came. He wants to rescue you and restore your relationship with God. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Kings chapter 21 as he continues his message, The Great Miscalculation. The whole scene plays on out and Naboth gets killed. You know, Jezebel's like, go ahead, take the vineyard. And the king's happy. He doesn't even ask why, right? He just wants what he wants. But here's the deal. All this happened because Ahab broke the simple sin in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. He looked at Naboth's land. He thought this would make a great vegetable garden. Now, here's what you got to ask yourself. Is a vegetable garden worth the life of Naboth? And when you ask it, when you put it in those terms, it's kind of like, well, definitely not. It's definitely not worth the life of Naboth. But... Because the flesh is never satisfied, flesh wants what it wants. And of course, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20 tells us that hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Now, listen, can we just like level, like get real about this for a second? Listen, we're all the same. You and I if we're in the flesh, we're never going to be satisfied. You'll, it'll never be enough. You know, they, as John D. Rockefeller, who's one of the earliest multi-billionaires, who's like the early, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos or, or Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. How much more money do you need? Just, just a little bit more. Listen, if we're thinking things in the flesh, it's never satisfied. Even though Ahab and Jezebel had more land more material things, still not satisfied. He was sad. He couldn't have the vegetable garden where he wanted. He could have had a vegetable garden. I mean, he was living in a palace. He could have taken a part of his palace, made a beautiful vegetable garden, but he needed Naboth's. And listen, our entire culture runs on this premise. Our economy runs on it where we are constantly advertised to, this is going to make you happy. Unless you have this, you are not going to be happy, right? And all the commercials, 
you know, are always geared that way. It's like, you know, you feel like life is mundane. The first scene is there, there's, you know, a man and a woman, they're sitting in, you know, a nice little compact car and they're going to work and they're sitting in traffic and they're bored, right? And then it cuts to the, to the SUV and, and the SUV is, is the windows are down and the, and the wind is going through their hair and they're laughing and they are off-roading even though, you know, really they live in an environment where there's no mountains. But if you buy this SUV, we're going we're gonna to free you from mundane traffic hell. You know, or, or, or they tell you, listen, you know, your life is boring, but if you drink this beer, all the cool people are going to want to be around you. I'm here to tell you, it's not true. People don't hang out with you for your beer or for your not. And if those are, if people do, then you have bigger problems than the beer you're drinking. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like we're constantly told that like, this is what you need. You need to take the next step. You need to do the next thing. And in a lot of ways, in the flesh, then we begin to covet. We're, we're never satisfied. And so much about what God wants for our lives is for us to not live in the flesh, but in the spirit. And in the spirit, we are satisfied because Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And we find our satisfaction in the Lord. And then we can enjoy different things in our life, but we don't find ourselves consumed with them. See, that's why in a lot of ways, the Bible invites us and Jesus, as we, as we follow him, invites us into a life of generosity because without it, our whole life is, this is what I want. This is me getting. And we think I'll be blessed when I receive. And Jesus says, no, no, you're more blessed to give than receive. So Jesus turns the table. He says, look, the world that you live in is upside down. I'm going to teach you how to live right side up. So you give. And you, what you find is you find great joy in giving and then you get to enjoy things around you, but you don't need any of it because you have everything that you need. And for a lot of us, we are making the same miscalculation that Ahab and Jezebel are making. One is that it's okay to want whatever you want and it's okay to get whatever you want by whatever means necessary. You know, and it can be heartbreaking because sometimes you, you hear these stories about Christian business people who are, who are using attack tactics to get the things that they want. You know, and there's nothing more beautiful when you watch somebody who, who is running an amazing business and they're actually doing it with integrity and, and they're living differently. And, 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 and they're saying, look, it's not about just having the thickest bottom line possible. It's about, I know that I'm going to be profitable and God's going to be honored, but I'm going to do things right. I'm not going to cut corners. You know, and I'm here to tell you, you know, the rat race is still alive and well. You know, many people, we, we live in a day and age today, many people want to look rich. But they're really, they have a lot of stuff and they're weighed down in debt. You know, there's still so much of the, I'm going to keep up with the Joneses. And, and I think when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, look, like I always like to say, you know, quoting that, controversial American theologian, Madonna, that we're living in a material world. And she said, I'm a material girl. You know, it's like we all live in this world and there are things that we can enjoy. But the key for us is to always remember that when we're in the flesh, the flesh will never be satisfied. But if you're in the spirit, then as you're in the spirit, you are fulfilled in Jesus. And then in the ways that we live in this material world, we put things in the right place. Because Ahab was not going to be content. And look at what they did to get it. I mean, this man, this honorable man who wants to honor his family by not selling their inheritance, 
now loses his life over a vegetable garden. You know, and maybe your struggle is not that you end up getting people killed for what you're doing. Maybe it's way less, but either way, it's still sin. And God invites us to to look at things differently because of our faith in Jesus. Now, look at what happens from here. So in, in 1 Kings 21, and then picking up in verse 17, listen to what happens next. Because don't miss the fact, there's somebody who knows what just happened. And it's not just Jezebel. Look at what happens, verse 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tithbite, saying, Arise and go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? And he said, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 21, behold, I will bring calamity on you and I will take away your posterity and I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, the dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field." You know what the big mistake that Ahab and Jezebel make and Elijah is helping them realize it is that they did not properly count the cost. And you and I need to learn how to properly count the cost. See, Jezebel mistakenly believed that because her husband was the king, he could do whatever he wants. That she could, because of her powerful position, she could send these letters to the noble people or the leaders of the city setting up Naboth and that no one was going to know what the plan was, why this was happening. And because she was the queen, they just had to do it and they did it. But no, listen, the Lord knew exactly what was going on. And the Lord talked to his prophets and said, I want you to go meet Ahab because Ahab has offended me. See, what we all have to remember is that we are so busy trying to mitigate or make sure that the sins we commit don't hurt people. But we have to remember that truly when we sin, the first person we sin against is the Lord himself. We sin against God and then the impact hits people. And that's why the Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, for Ahab and Jezebel, Jezebel just wanted her husband to be happy and not be grumpy over the vegetable garden. And Ahab just wanted Nabal's vineyard, right? And so they didn't properly count the cost of what they were doing because they sinned against God and God was offended. God knew what happened. Now, can we just just like plain talk here for a second? My friends, listen. When was the last time you came to the Lord and apologized for the ways that our rebellion against God has impacted negatively our relationship with God? 
See, I think very much our culture is, uh, it's only wrong if you get caught kind of a culture. Like people will apologize when they get busted, but they won't repent before they get busted because they realize that they've offended God first. See, we're, we're so busy fearing people. We're so busy wanting to protect our reputations that God, because we need to live upward first, God wants us to, to realize that every sin we commit on this earth, we really offend God first. And this is exactly why God sent Jesus in the first place, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That all of us have paid the wages of sin And when you pay the wages of sin, ultimately the bill comes as death. And that is why God has given us the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is why we believe in Jesus. That's why I have no problem in any context saying, I am happy that I believe in Jesus. Because I realize I paid a lot of wages of sin in my life. And not just before I got saved. Now that I am walking with Jesus, I am even more aware of my failings. Because I'll do something in the Spirit of God be like, oh, Daniel, you can't do that. Or, yeah, you didn't say that, but you thought this, this, and this. And, and, and I get convicted by the Spirit because God loves me too much as his child to not discipline me, to not, to not chasten me, to not reveal to me, oh man, that was so bad. I just had this the other day. So one of the things we do when we're eating dinner as a family is I, I love my daughter Maranatha. She's so cool, but I always wanted, I'm always keeping Maranatha light, so I'm always joking with her. I'm always like cracking jokes you know, and, uh, and in the beginning, Maranatha, we used to get very, very offended of it, but now she's really good at just kind of giving it back. But I said something as a joke, and right after I said it, the Lord was like, you are not allowed to say that. You know, because literally, I, like Maranatha, we wanted to talk to them. I said, I said, Maranatha, like, what's going on? I'm like, we're sending you to boarding school. So I said to her, she's like, why? I'm like, well, because we want to take your room and turn it from a liability to an asset. So we're going to rent your room out. And we're going to send you to boarding school. And, and she looked real, like, sad. And then she started laughing because she knew that I was joking. But after it, I'm like, you shouldn't say that. Like, it's like, that was the dumbest, like, like it hurt her feelings. And I gave her, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't say something like that. That was really dumb of me. And she's like, yeah, it was. That's what she said. She's like, it totally was. You know, I'm like, did it hurt your feelings? She's like, a little bit. I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, like, but, but listen, because I'm God's child and my daughter is his, is his child, he loves us. So he convicts. But here's the thing, for many of us, we're not counting the cost. And what Ahab and Jezebel did not realize is that this was going to be the end of it. Because God's judgment for Ahab and Jezebel's treachery was going to be nasty. It was going to be nasty. Notice what he says in verse 19. In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. And then you get to verse 24, or no, 23. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, the dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. Now, you can imagine, if you've ever traveled, we don't have it as much going on in America where you have stray dogs and they're, and, they're, and they're roaming for food. And so the idea of a dog licking your blood means that you're dead in the street and the stray dogs were coming and they're being nourished. And, and literally for Jezebel, for Jezebel, you know, the dogs are going to eat her in the street. And so this speaks of the most shameful type of death, right? So, so, so when Elijah is saying this, he's saying, 
you guys are going to die and your entire lineage is going to be cut off. Like you're not going to have anybody left from your family. Remember when we studied in the last chapter, uh, Ahab's son was not going to be the next king of Israel. And so, so God was literally going to cut off the line of Ahab and Jezebel because this is like the final straw. All the stuff that they had been doing had been evil all along. But now the, the murder of this honorable man, Naboth, for his vineyard. Now God has had enough. It's time. And we have to learn how to properly count the cost. You know, it's a beautiful thing that God is a patient person. You know, like the first time we ever sinned, we could die right there. And, and that could be the end of our lives. And God is, is long-suffering with us. But sometimes we forget that there's still a reckoning for the ways that we live. And that's why I'm so grateful. That's why I, I encourage you. Listen, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. You need a savior. You have failed infinite numbers of times. Huge ways, little ways. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to properly count the cost. Now notice what happens. And, and, and in some ways, what happens next just blows my mind. Listen to what it says, verse 25. It says, but there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body, and he fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tithbite, saying, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me, Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. Now, you see what just went on there? Verses 25 and 26 reminds us what a horrible king Ahab was, right? It says, there was no one as bad as Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness. Why? Because his, his wife Jezebel stirred him up, incited him. So, so he was making his own decisions and he was doing it being stirred up or incited by his wife. And it says, and he behaved very abominably. In following idols. So he, he led in idol worship. But then notice what happens when he hear, even though this dude was so bad, what we learn in these verses is that God's mercy is extraordinary. God's mercy is extraordinary because when he hears the judgment that's coming, he tears his clothes. Now, this was, get it really, when someone, in the Bible, when someone tears their clothes, this wasn't the day and age in which we live where it's like, you can get your favorite outfit delivered to your house in four days and everyone's got closets and storage units. You know, it's like, this was long before those type of days. So, so people had one or two pairs of clothes. That was all they had, you know? And so tearing your clothes was not like a small thing. And it was another thing for a dignitary or a king 
to tear his royal garments as well. So this was a very strong outward act of repentance. So he tears his clothes. He puts on sackcloth. Now, sackcloth was an undergarment that would normally be made of a camel's hair. It was very uncomfortable. It wasn't like putting on your favorite, you know, linen jumpsuit that was the most comfortable with your favorite tennis or anything like that. This was literally putting on uncomfortable clothes. And then it says that he, he fasted and he lay in sackcloth and he went about mourning. And so the king now has these very strong outward expressions of humiliation. And when God sees that, he says, see how Ahab has humbled himself? Even though everything Ahab has done has been an abomination to God, now that Ahab is humbled, God is not going to give him what he deserves. He's going to be merciful. He's going to say, listen, because of this, I'm not going to bring the calamity. I'm I'm not going to kill all of his offspring while he's alive. The the full meeting out of this judgment is not going to happen. It's going to happen when he's gone. And listen, our God is a just God, but our God is also extraordinary in mercy. Listen to what Paul said, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? See, what he's saying is that because God is merciful, it's too easy for us sometimes to be like, oh, listen, God will forgive me. Even though I know I shouldn't be doing that, God will forgive me. Because God's a forgiving God. God is gracious. So even though I know it's wrong, I'm going to do it. No, no, no. Listen, because God is so merciful, we shouldn't do things that we know that break his heart. But when we do break his heart, our God is a merciful God. I mean, it's it's such an extraordinary look at the personality of God. Where Ahab was the worst king in the history of Israel. But because he repented after all this garbage, he had the longest rap sheet against the Lord. And because he truly humbled himself, even though death was still coming for him, even though even though his family was going to be cut off, he wasn't going to see it in his own days. God was still merciful on him. And here's what I want you to know. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter how much you have been an abomination to God, no matter how many people you hurt, no matter how much sin you have committed, you've encouraged other people to commit. If you were to come to Jesus right now, God would be merciful to you. God will receive you well, he will forgive you if you truly turn to him, if you, if you respond to God's invitation to be forgiven, if you were to say yes to God saying, let me do the work I want to do in your life. If you do that, God's mercy has already been given to you through the death and resurrection of Jesus. God wants to apply that finished work to your life. And I know there's, anytime I share the good news of Jesus, which is, all the time. Someone always says, I mean, God may be able to forgive these people, but listen, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the guilt that I'm carrying, the shame that I'm carrying. You don't realize all the things that I've done and how horrendous it's been. And you, you don't know my whole story. You're right, I don't. But God has numbered every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. He knows things that you don't even know about you. And he still sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. Jesus is Mercy, not giving someone what they deserve, 
This isn't a characteristic we see often in this culture. We want people to get what's coming to them. That's why it can be so hard to believe that God would show us mercy. But that's exactly what Pastor Daniel shared today. No matter what you've done or how badly you've blown it, God will show mercy to those who sincerely ask for forgiveness and want to change. He knows you inside and out and loves you still. So turn to God today and receive the mercy and grace he's offering. Hey, everybody. I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about a topic many people would rather avoid, death. As you look at the end of Elijah's life, you'll see the importance of the legacy you leave behind and how when you walk through life with the end in mind, you can work to see that your legacy comes to fruition. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Crisis. Until then, may God bless.